you, thank you. Well, grab your Bibles, if you would, with me. In fact, we're going to go through a few scriptures today, but I wanted to pick up on a verse we read last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, and then we're going to go right into Matthew 24. And one of them, last week we spent the, uh, the, our time talking about what the Bible said about communion. Very interesting, though, how the Apostle Paul closes out this teaching and correction about communion in the early church with this one verse. In fact, he mentions that it was from the Lord. It was given to him. The Apostle Paul wasn't in that room when Jesus did that, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, what we call communion. But he said, nevertheless, I received it from the Lord. But here's what he said. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, and say those last three words with me, till he comes, right? Till he comes. It's important for us as believers, as Christians, to remember that Jesus is coming soon. You know, there's 260-some chapters in just the New Testament, and there's roughly 300 or so mentions of Jesus coming back. He's wanting to remind us. But I, I really ask the question, how many times in our day or week do we even think about that? Is it even on, like, on our radar at all until he comes? So that's what I want to do today. I want to look at some of the verses in the Bible, we're not going to go and look through uh, every little thing. This isn't going all the way back in Scripture going through it. But I want to just highlight some of those so it becomes something in our hearts, in our spirits that we're aware of, especially as we interact with God's people. So Lord, I pray today in the verses read that we surely see you so clear, but we're, we're mindful that you are coming soon. And Jesus mentions that. It's one of the very last things said in the book of Revelation, that he's coming quickly. Lord, let us be in tune with what's happening. Let us not be the people in the Bible that we'll read about that had no idea. But let us be sensitive to things happening in, your, in the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Anyway, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24. Uh, you know, when I, was, I remember being probably six or seven years old, or maybe a little bit older, because I would have known this somehow that Jesus was coming back. And, and I want to say it was probably like a Saturday afternoon nap. And the reason I probably took a nap was I probably was grounded. And I had to go into my room and I took a nap. And I remember getting up and going through the house and I couldn't find anybody. And I went into every room in the garage, front yard, backyard, and I couldn't find everybody. And I thought, oh, Jesus came and I got left behind. <laughs> you know, I was so little, right? I didn't picture all. And then I found our families across the street talking to the neighbors. What's wrong? I thought I got left behind. You know, there's plenty of movies if you haven't seen, right? There, in fact, years ago, churches would show The Thief in the Night. One of the things that Jesus even talked about uh, was it would be a thief in the night. There's all of those Left Behind series. There was even one, Nicolas Cage must have been desperate even to do a Left Behind uh, one. 
But one of the things that we read, in fact, even this week, if we just looked at the headlines, which they don't really change week to week, they really are recycling, but it is part of the times. It's not only wars, rumors of wars that we'll read about, there are earthquakes, there's floods, there's famine. We read all of those things. Seems to be things all the time. Seems to be more and more. Seems to become more personal, personable to us. Not some distant land, family that's, that's affected. So I think it's always important to go back to what Jesus said because we don't know when he's going to come. But here's what we know. He is coming soon. You know, we, in fact, there's a Bible today. We're going to give away a Bible at the end of service. And I ordered it on Amazon, and I just went to click. It was supposed to be at the house by 9 o'clock one night. I just wanted to keep an eye out so a package, you know, wasn't sitting outside. And, boy, it was uh, the app that showed me the driver was two stops away. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I just watched it. He's one stop away. He's in front of my house. That's pretty cool. I wish there was some Jesus app. Wouldn't that be great? He's just three years away. Oh, he's two years away. Oh, six months. There's not, is there? And as we'll read in the Bible, the only one that knows is the Father. But, you know, today we track our pizzas, right? We want to make sure that we know our pizzas are coming at the right time. We track everything. Yet in this one thing, what are we then supposed to be doing if we can't track? Well, we're supposed to be like when Jesus was 12, about the Father's business. So Matthew chapter 24, in fact, I want to start um, in verse 1. I want to read a few of these verses. And so some of you that are kind of into this stuff, if you follow along, there's actually three questions the disciples ask. So when Jesus answers these things, there's different time periods, I believe, that he's talking about. We won't take time to go into all of that. We just want to read some of his words to kind of get us alerted to until he comes. It says in Jesus, in verse 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Well, in my Bible, I wrote 70 A.D. That's when that took place. But here's what he goes on to say. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be, what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age. Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no one deceives you. That's important for us. Don't let, we'll look at that in a minute, don't let anybody deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumor of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That's where you're like, 
I'm signing up for this. Hated, beaten, killed. And many will be offended. They'll betray one another. They will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow what? Cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And here's the one in your Bible you should circle. Because this is, is the one to, that I want to focus on here shortly. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Say it with me. And then the end will come. What's Jesus concerned about? He's absolutely concerned when he sees wars, rumors of wars, pestilence. It's his people. But he's also mindful that this gospel is to be preached around. You think, hasn't everybody heard by now? Evidently not. So I want to pick this up in verse 36 because Jesus will say this again. But of the day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels. You know, there's no like secret. Hey, angel, let me tell you a secret. They don't know. Here's another shocker. Jesus doesn't know. The Son doesn't know. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Yet Jesus doesn't even know the times, and Jesus is the one saying that. He says, but my Father only knows. Now here's a clue, verse 37. But as in the days of Noah were so, but as is in the days of Noah were so, also will be in the coming of the Son of Man be, for as in the days before the flood, Genesis 6, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. In fact, if, if, uh, a better way to translate, they were just living life, right? Doing the things that life can, can do. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have allowed the house to be broken in. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So I started Bible college in January of 1988. And somewhere within the very first week, I'm in the library, and I'm still kind of a newbie in all of this, and I look over, and there's a book you can actually look at this up. 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back in 1988. Oh, that got my attention. Man, he's coming back this year. Oh, praise God, I just started Bible college. So I, I go through there and I'm, I'm reading this book. In fact, the, the guy wrote down that the exact dates would be September 11th through September 13th, 1988. So September 11th through 13th came 1988. What happened? Did Jesus come back? Wrong, right? No, he didn't come back at all. He then came out with a new book. 
89 reasons why Jesus is coming back. True, you can look it up. 1989. In fact, he said these very words. He was quoted, if the Bible is in error, that's the only reason that I'm wrong. That's pretty strong, right? And I would say that every preacher in town, if there was a king in this country and I would gamble with my life, I would stake my life on Rosh Hashanah 1988. Well, it came and went. He comes out with 89 reasons while Jesus is coming back in 1989 and Jesus didn't come back. He made predictions in 1993, 1994, and 1997. But in 1988, he sold 4.5 million books. Just one of those things that happened. Many of you will probably remember the Y2K. We were going to go from 1999 to the year 2000, and everything was going to shut down. Right? There, uh, if people went to seminars, we were even told our toasters wouldn't work. I was thinking, I don't have a smart toaster. I have to like push the lever down. And then I wait, and it pops up. There were Christian ministers telling people to stockpile weapons, you know, you know, beans and rice, board up your windows, make your cars look all beat up because this is going to be the end. You know, and, and I know there was some truth to whatever computer system there was with the rollover, but I don't know. I still remember we were living in Concord, North Carolina, and we were up in our bonus room, and I forget what country, I don't know if it's Australia or one of those that comes in first, they came in first to the new year and nothing changed. My TV stayed on, my toaster still worked, everything just kind of went on. But you know, it seems like every few years we read about these things. The latest one, Harold Camping, uh, if you're familiar with him at all, that Jesus was going to come in 1994. Uh, it was revised between September 29th and October 2 of 2005. And then he predicted May 11th of 2011. And he said that Jesus came, but it was a spiritual judgment that you couldn't see. <laughs> but there's people that followed and followed. But you know what happens? Is we've got to follow what Jesus said. There's not a date. There's not an hour that he even knows. God knows the hour, but he wants us to be watching. You know, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, I think we're having some computer stuff. You guys can just leave it. Don't worry about it. Everybody's following right along. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Listen to this. And that every intent of the thoughts of the heart were evil continually. This is Genesis chapter 6. But God found grace in the eye, or saw grace and righteousness in the eyes of Noah. Everybody had their thoughts and ideas and heart was nothing but wickedness. Isn't it interesting that even changing things over after the flood doesn't change the heart? The heart drifts back again. You know, I was watching a um, video the other night of what's called smash and grab. These thieves that go into the big malls. And they go to Apple stores, and we had a situation with a family in our church. That, uh, these guys go in, and they steal stuff, and they're on camera, right? And you can see them. It's almost like they're smiling. Right? They take a, it like doesn't even bother them. Porch pirates. 
You know what a porch pirate is, right? That's when you have a delivery at your house and somebody comes and steals your stuff. They follow around the UPS trucks and the post office truck just to, to take and to steal. I like what one lady did was she collected her dog stuff for two weeks and put it in a box and labeled it, put it on her porch, hoping that whoever took it. You know, if we read on, it's constant. There are two stores not far from us because of Madison's family that has some in law enforcement that have decided they've taken a policy that if you steal from their store, they don't do anything. In fact, one of them is a shoe store. The guy said, you could actually go in and put on a new pair of shoes and walk out and they won't do anything. Now, please don't come up to me at the end of the service to find out what store that is because I'm not going to tell you. Boy, we read these things. Where's the heart gone? Shouldn't today, shouldn't we know better? I mean, we should know better. We should be better. We should have learned from the past. But as we read on, these things happen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1-5. through 5. So, uh, this is getting picked up. Um, in fact, it says this, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Are you encouraged today to hear all of that? Yeah, Ben, you can leave it. Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. That's a list, isn't it? Notice what it says. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Those are strong words. But when we read these things in the Scriptures, it's to let us know, I'm not to look out and judge you. We're not to look out and judge others. Oh, look at that blasphemer. Oh, that unthankful. In fact, I'm going to write him a card and say, you're unthankful. I'm going to put 2 Timothy in it. You're, an unth- you're listed in there. No, no, no. I'm to understand as, as a person that is wanting to be sensitive to God to pray for what God wants to do because it is a time of confusion. You know, as I've mentioned before, Michelle and I used to direct camp. And... Uh, um, I remember the guy who did before, he had like 29.7 rules. Or, you know, he had all these rules when you would open a camp and tell the kids. You know, you'd have hundreds of high school kids and you had to have some guidelines. So I came up with five. And, and uh, I tell you the story for the next one I'm going to tell you. One of, the, one of the rules, this is the truth. And I had no crack, Jack. That was a rule. None in the front and none in the back. We don't want to see your crack. That was one of my rules. If you didn't get that, I will explain it to you at the end of service. <laughs> Guys, keep your pants up, right? Girls, keep your... Right, no crack, Jack. That was, a, that was one of the rules. At a meeting I was in Thursday night, the, one of the gentlemen that directs camp for our district, uh, I was going through all of... I, was just, I always look through the guidelines and the rules, and I asked, I asked this question. What's the number one thing that you guys deal with when you get all these kids that come to camp all summer long? What do the kids deal like? What are you hearing? He said, oh, it's mental illness. Right off the bat. High school kids. From churches. Wow, right? 
mental illness. It's one of those signs of our time that we see out of there. You know, when we read about this, uh, even in just the U.S., uh, Gallup did a poll that one in five Americans don't even identify with a religion. 64% of Americans, though they might believe in a God, they're not convinced that a God even exists. Americans, right? The one that I could go on TV pretty much whenever and see messages, I can go on YouTube, I can go different places. There's churches almost on every corner. But even in our own country that people don't know, don't believe. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, Jesus, uh, in fact, uh, this is said of Jesus by the angels as Jesus is ascending, and it says, Acts 1.11, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. What were the disciples doing when Jesus went up? 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. And the angels say, what are you doing? Gazing. No, 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 don't gaze. He's going to come back. In fact, as you go on in the book of Acts, it was to remember the very words that Jesus said in verse 8. No, no, you're to be my witnesses. So that's the question for us today. So what are we to do until Jesus comes back? Well, next Sunday, we're all going up to the mountains. Bring your beans and rice and your guns, right? And we're going to hide out and we're going to camp out until he comes. Some of you are shaking your head with a thumbs up. We do need to see you at the end of service. <laughs> what are we to do? Because we know that the Bible says that this gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness, and then the end will come. It's all about us taking opportunities to be God's witness to people. But let me mention two things. Number one is this, and I just came across this uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, in fact, if our screen was up, uh, but you can write this down, or I just posted it this morning on our Facebook group page. Backtothebible.org did a research of 400,000 people that engage with God's Word. And the statistics were pretty crazy. They found that 30% of those groups feel less depressed when they read God's Word. 59 were less likely to view pornography. And it mentioned this, that 228%, so that was everybody like off the charts, were more likely to share their faith with others because they were encouraged themselves in the Scripture. So I thought about that. How many times have you noticed, even if you've put your Bible down for a while, even as we've been reading the Old Testament, sometimes you read the Old Testament and you feel like you're just getting through it, but God will remind you later of those people and the decisions that they made that were outside of them even praying to God because they were knuckleheads. 228% had more of an opportunity to share their faith. How many times do we see the same cashier? Yet maybe we never say anything. We haven't started any conversation. We haven't even prayed about them. 
We just want them to hurry up, right? I'm going to be late. Hurry up. But they're a person with a name, with a family, with a background, and an opportunity for us that we can be a witness. So as I was writing this down, I don't know why, and I, and I know it was the Lord doing it, I remembered back to a meeting that I was in, of all things, it was around the year 2000, 2001 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was with all of these different youth pastors for all, all over the U.S., and this guy came in and he sat by himself in the back, and I remember, and I don't know how I remember this, because my wife always remembers clothes that she wore. You can ask her whatever year, and she'll remember what she's wearing. I don't remember what I had on last Sunday. I probably had this shirt on last Sunday. But I remember this guy was in stonewashed jeans, and I don't know how I remember that. Um, so the guy, I never owned stonewashed jeans. I only had Levi's jeans. <laughs> remember this guy was sitting in the back, and I just went back and introduced myself. His name was Keith Wheeler. So I said, Keith, are you a youth pastor? And, and he says, no, I'm not a youth pastor. Are you a pastor? No, I'm not a pastor. Now, who do you know? And he mentioned this, this one gentleman. And I said, so... Um, what do you do? He says, well, I carry the cross. I have a 12-foot cross, and I carry it all around the world. Unassuming, smaller guy, real quiet. And I said, oh, no, I've never, never heard about you. I've heard about another guy that did it. He says, you know, the Lord told me one day to carry the cross across Tulsa, Oklahoma. Bible Belt, right? Bible Belt area. He said, so I carried the cross. And then he started telling me to go to different countries. Well, if I, if I was able to throw up uh, on the screen, he's been in Iran carrying the cross. How many of you want to sign up today and you could carry the cross this week in Iran? Nobody would sign up. He's in Syria. He was in Iraq. He was in all those Middle Eastern countries. He's been around the world. In fact, many of the pictures he has are the kids that come up, the people that come to him. A simple guy that the Lord first said to carry across in Tulsa. And I remember asking him this. So what country was the hardest on you? He says, well, let me exclude the ones where I was put in front of the firing squad. Right? Um, I was beaten. He says, let me, the ones that say the hard, yeah, say the hardest words. Oh, the U.S. He says, what do you mean the U.S.? Oh, going to different cities and they're telling me to get out and get that cross put away. But he said, it's interesting when I go in these other nations that people just want to come up and find out what I'm about. Carrying the cross in some of the worst nations that we would think of. I would never want to do that. Some guy in stonewashed jeans carrying the cross because God told him to go do it in Tulsa. You know, it's not necessarily all of the things that we do. It's what is the thing that God has asked us to do. Because evidently, Jesus is waiting for this gospel to be preached, and we're people that have opportunities to open doors. But here's who it starts with. It starts with each and every one of us opening up our heart. You know, Jesus came across people he couldn't reach. Rich young ruler came up to him and wanted to follow him. Jesus told him what he needed to do. You know what the Bible says he did? He turned and walked away. He could not do the very thing that Jesus... There were people that Jesus couldn't even reach. There'll be people that we come across that might say the very same things they said to Keith Wheeler. But we are after the hearts and being His witnesses and stopping and being silent to make sure are we 
hearing from him. You know, at this time, in fact, I think all the kids are in the back. This kind of leads into my Michelle's coming in with all these kids. We have a family uh, that's in our church. Would you kind of come up as well? This is our last Sunday, their last Sunday. I said, my last. I'm not moving with you to China. <laughs> Make sure I... Uh, they're actually moving. Come on up here. They're moving back to China. And many of you have been able to watch a little bit of young David. In fact, I'm going to read what he said in a minute. And here they come, huh? Come on, give them a big hand as these guys all come on up here. Let's have you guys come on, line up, come over here with me as well, too. Sometimes we forget. So David and his family came to our church about two, well, a year ago. David came two years ago not knowing any English. I think he speaks better than me. Uh, but really, it was Nathan and his family that pulled him into kids' church to have him. And Nathan, in fact, uh, this last summer, can I read, your, can I read your, what you said? Is it right, David, if I read it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yes. So um, this is why Kids Church was important to him. Kids Church is very important to me because when I was in China, I didn't know anything about God. And for now, when I go to Kids Church, the first thing I learn is about God and the love from God. A lot of kids enjoy the love from their parents and teachers, and they think it just happens. But they don't know it's from God, and that's the way it happened. Second reason for me to go to kids' church is that I start to learn about the knowledge of the Bible and of God. That God is almighty no matter what I'm in doing, good or bad. God is always with me, and God always loves me, and I can follow him with my heart. He will always support me. He gives me courage so I won't be disappointed or frustrated. The third reason, this is good, this is like a term paper, right? The third reason that I go to kids' church is because I can learn the value of God so when I'm alone, I'll know what to do and I won't get lost. God can tell me about the good or bad so anyone that is bad won't be close to me, which means God can keep me out of danger and get far away from temptation. And those are why I think I shall continue to go to kids' church so I can learn more about God and I would shine my light in the honor of Jesus and God. So I'm going to turn it over to Michelle, but I thought even in the message, what is the opportunity that a family would come, they'd be with us for a short period of time, a young man would learn English, but now goes back to China, is full of Jesus and God. What would God be up to? You know, sometimes we live so unaware that we don't think that God has a plan. Though we'll miss them, miss their face, God has a plan. So I'm going to turn it over to Michelle. In Kids Church today, we 
we had a going away party for David, and some of the families wrote um, goodbye cards to him so that he could take them with him. And then we had the kids go around and share um, why they're going to miss David. And two of the common things that were said were, one, he's funny, and he makes everybody laugh, and he's kind. Don't we need more kind people in the world? David is kind. And so when it was my turn to share, what I shared with David was, it is my prayer that as David goes back home, that as you go back home, that the Jesus that you found here in the United States while being here at the Hills Church, that you will never, ever forget that Jesus the Jesus that lives on the inside of you, that he's never, ever going to leave you. He's going to be with you at school in China. He's going to be with you in all of your activities, riding your scooter in China. He's going to be with you when you're with your friends. He's never going to leave you. And that you will have the bravery and the courage to share that Jesus with your friends because he loves you so much. David asked us in class a few minutes ago, do you have an email? <laughs> and some of the kids said, yes. And I said, I have an email. And he said, we could exchange emails. And so one of the things that we are looking forward to doing, because he was such a part of Flip This Kids Church, is as we begin to take the steps of flipping this thing over, that we're going to keep him in the loop of all of it, that he gets to see our pictures and he gets to see their faces. And I think it was Benny that said um, that we should take a trip. Ooh. We should take a trip to go and see David. <laughs> I think it would be kind of fun. We could go have your chicken ramen. <laughs> <laughs> We asked him what was the first thing he wanted to eat when he got back home, and he said chicken ramen, and the first thing he wanted to do was ride his scooter because that couldn't get put into his suitcase. And so we wanted to be able to pray over David and his mom as they get ready to travel back home. They're going to have quite the flight, but before we pray for them and for him, we wanted to give you something, David, that you will always remember us by but more importantly than any of us, that you will always, always remember Jesus and keep him close. And so we have a Bible for you. And we signed the inside so that you will know that there's a church back in Arcadia, California called the Hills Church and Hills Kids that love you very much. And that even though you're not here with us, our hearts are there with you. So... Yeah, let me pray for you, you both. In fact, would you all just stand with and me so as you teachers. would? I'm going to have you stick the, your right hand out to hand a blessing. We want to bless uh, them today, too. So we anoint you. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We anoint you. Name of the Father and the Son. And Father, we thank you for the Wu family. What a blessing that they have been. And Father, you gave them to us really to open our eyes for what you're doing. I thank you for a young man that his heart already loves and serves Jesus, that Jesus is his Lord. And Lord, you're going to continue to fan that flame in the nation of China. And I thank you, Lord, 
that we will hear great things that you're doing through their life. Lord, please make all of the crooked path straight like your word says you will over this family. Bless them. Lord, I pray that even the kids of our kids' church remember and they pray for David. And as David even wrote, he's not going to be afraid. He's not going to be worried because, Lord, you're right alongside of him. And we bless this family today in Jesus' name. Amen. And your mom was baptized two weeks ago here in, our, in the Chinese church. So, yeah. All right, so I'm, a, uh, I'm just going to close. But would you come up and maybe you didn't even know him. Would you just say hello, tell them you'll be praying for them as you saw them long. These guys run around a lot. They're quick. They're fast. But would you come and bless them as well, and you'll be dismissed. God bless you. Have a great day.